Thanks for downloading the weekly podcast from Bridge Christian Fellowship. To find out more, head to www.bridgecf.org. And he's here, and he's speaking to us, and he's touching our hearts, and it's just so good. And I hope that uh, what I want to share with you tonight will build on what he's already been doing here. Back um, at Easter, when we had our Easter morning service here with Emmanuel Church, Alan read a passage of scripture which for me had been a favourite for years. And while he read it, a verse jumped out and it was just like I was hearing it for the first time. So I started to look at this passage and I looked at this verse and, and the Holy Spirit drew me back into looking at the whole passage afresh. So I'm going to read it to you now. It's Luke chapter 24, starting at verse 13. And this is all about Easter morning, the day when Jesus rose from the dead. And already the women had been to the tomb, and they'd come away because they'd not found the body of Jesus in the tomb. And Mary was telling stories of having met Jesus, that he was alive again. And then, at verse 13, we get into this story about two other disciples. So picture this. That same day, two other disciples who were not of the the eleven. They're travelling the seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And as they walk along, they talk back and forth about all that has transpired during recent days. While they're talking and discussing and conversing, Jesus catches up to them and begins walking with with them. But for some reason, they don't recognise him. And he said to them, You two seem deeply engrossed in conversation. What are you talking about as you walk along the road? And they stop walking and just stand there looking sad. One of them, Cleopas is his name, speaks up. And he says, You must be the only visitor in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about what's been going on the last few days. Jesus said, What are you talking about? And they said, It's all about the man named Jesus of Nazareth. He was a mighty prophet who did amazing miracles and preached powerful messages in the sight of God and everyone around. Our chief priests and authorities handed him over to be executed, crucified in fact. We had been hoping that he was the one. You know, the one who would liberate all Israel and bring God's promises. Anyway, on top of all this, just this morning... The third day after the execution, some women in our group really shocked us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't see his body anywhere. Then they came back and told us they did see something, 
a vision of heavenly messengers. And these messengers said that Jesus was alive. Some people in our group went out to the tomb to check it out. And just as the women had said, it was empty. But they didn't see Jesus. And he said to these two, he said, come on then. Why are you being so foolish? Why are your hearts so sluggish when it comes to believing what the prophets have been saying all along? Didn't it have to be this way? Didn't the anointed one have to experience these sufferings in order to come into his glory? Then he begins with Moses and continues prophet by prophet, explaining the meaning of the Hebrew scriptures, showing how they were talking about the very things that had happened to Jesus. About this time, they're nearing their destination. Jesus keeps walking ahead as if he has no plans to stop there. But they convince him to join them. They say, please be our guest. It's getting late and soon it will be too dark to walk. So, so he accompanies them to their home. When they sit down at the table for dinner, he takes the bread in his hands. He gives thanks for it and then he breaks it and hands it to them. In that instant, two things happen simultaneously. Their eyes are suddenly open so that they recognize him. And he instantly vanishes, just disappears before their eyes. And they said to each other, Amazing! Weren't our hearts on fire within us while he was talking to us on the road? Didn't you feel it all coming clear as they explained the meaning of the Hebrew scriptures? So they get up immediately and rush back to Jerusalem, all seven miles, where they find the eleven gathered together, the eleven plus a number of others. And before Cleopas and his companion can tell their story, the others have their own story to tell. And they are saying, the Lord has risen indeed, it's true. He's appeared to Simon. Then these two from Emmaus report their own experience. Their conversation along the road, their moment of realisation and recognition as he broke the bread. And that's the story that God has been opening up to me fresh over the past couple of months. And I want to share with you some of the things that I've learned. Cleopas and his companion, after Mary Magdalene and after Peter, they were the first people to see the resurrected Jesus. And these guys, they were not part of the twelve disciples. They were not part of the inner circle. These were people who had seen something in Jesus during his earthly ministry. And they were drawn to follow him. They were pinning their hopes on the liberation of Israel from the Roman occupation upon Jesus. 
than just ordinary people who were looking for something more than what the current circumstances of their lives were giving them. Randy Clark, he talks about the little old me's. And these were two of the little old me's. They were just ordinary people like us. And I find it interesting that just one of them is named Cleopas. And in my study Bible, where he's mentioned in verse 18, that verse is linked with John chapter 19 and verse 25, which says that Mary, the wife of Clopas, which is a name almost the same, was one of the the women who was with Mary, the mother of Jesus, at the cross when Jesus died. I believe that Cleopas, Hopas, that's the same person, and that Mary was the other person with him on the road, his wife, Mr. and Mrs. And it tells us that Jesus himself drew near and walked with them. Jesus initiated this encounter with these two people. It was all his idea. But I wonder what it was about them that attracted him to them. I wonder why it was that he decided he was going to talk to them. They didn't recognise Jesus. It's probably more accurate to say from the from the Greek that they were actually kept from recognising him. But then when Mary Magdalene had seen him first thing that morning, she didn't recognise him either. And a couple of weeks later, when all the other disciples meet Jesus at the Lake of Galilee. They don't recognise him then either. Mark, in his Gospel, refers to this meeting of these two people with Jesus. He says in Mark 16, verse 12, he says that Jesus appeared in another form. That in some way his appearance was different. But I also thought that these two people, Cleopas, Mary, Mary particularly, she had seen Jesus die. They knew that Jesus was dead. And maybe. Because of that, they just never expected to see Jesus again. And I wonder, how do our expectations, or lack of them, influence what we see or experience of God? So Jesus comes along alongside them, and walks with them. 
all their sadness and he commented on their sadness. But what else did he see in their hearts? As I read through what they talked about to him, how they described the things that have been happening in, in the last few days, the things I heard coming from their hearts were things like disappointment. They've been pinning all their hopes on him for liberation. And there was confusion. They thought that Jesus was a great prophet. They thought great things were going to be happen, happening. But he ended up being crucified. And was there rebellion and anger at what had happened to him? Rebellion at their own um, their own leaders who had been quite powerless against the Roman occupation. And instead they handed Jesus over to be crucified. There was astonishment when they talked about what had happened that morning when people had come and told them that his body wasn't in the tomb. And Mary said that she'd seen him. What was their unbelief? Did they find it just impossible to, to get hold of that? To believe that? We don't know how long these two had been a part of Jesus' wider group of followers. But they had seen him do amazing things. And they'd listened to him. And he'd said some wonderful, wise and amazing things. So they, their hearts are all in turmoil with disappointment and confusion and what about what this you know, their friends have been saying this morning, are they really to be believed? But then Jesus speaks to them and he scolds them for their lack of understanding and he starts to put them right. First of all, on their understanding of his identity. And the person that they spoke of as being a mighty prophet, mighty in deed and word, he called the Christ, the Anointed One, the Messiah. He gives them a much an accurate view of this person of who they were they were talking about. And for us it is just so important how we see God. How we see what he's like, who he is. That we have a true and accurate and undistorted picture of what he's like and who he is. And then Jesus went on to explain why the events that 
had caused them to be so disappointed actually had to happen. And he takes them on a journey through scripture. And I think it's one of the reasons why the passage had been a favourite with me. Because I always thought I would have so loved to have heard what Jesus said then. And how he talked about himself. How he described himself. How he explained all the scriptures about his birth. Why he had to die. He probably talked to them from Isaiah 53, that tremendous description, which is so accurate of the, of the crucifixion. That would have been that would have been a Bible study for him. And then we get to a couple of verses that, for me, when I heard them at Easter, I thought, I've never heard that before. I don't know whether that's ever happened to you, whether you have a, a reading of a passage of scripture and all of a sudden some, something just jumps out at you like you'd never heard it before. But that happened for me at Easter. Verses 28 and 29. They drew near to the village where they were going. And Jesus acted as if he was just going further, that he wasn't going to stop. But they constrained him. They convinced him to stay. They say, stay with us, for it's nearly evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in with them to their homes. And as I, I've been reading that again, I've been thinking, did he really intend to keep going, to walk on? Or was he trying to draw something out of their hearts that had been growing as they listened to him? As they heard him explain scriptures? Was he waiting for their invitation? Would he actually have just kept on going if they'd not asked him to stay? Just think of what they have missed. But it says that they constrained him. Other versions say they convinced him. They urged him. They urged him strongly. They begged him. I looked up this the Greek for this word constraint. Parabiasomai. <laughs> and it has a meaning of to compel by employing force. The root word, biaso, has a meaning of to force or inflict violence on. So maybe they didn't quite march up to him and each grab him by the arm and frog march him into the house, but it implies that they were not going to take no for an answer. They were not going to take no for an answer. And the reasons that they give, they're all quite reasonable. 
Hospitality was a part of their way of life. That's just how it was in those days and in this country. And just to offer him a bed for the night and for a meal, that was a normal part of life. And to say that it would be soon too dark to travel, you know, people wouldn't have travelled so much at dark in the dark. It would have been, been much more dangerous. But I believe that their reason for asking him to stay is far bigger, far deeper than that. Because as they walked along the road with Jesus, and as they listened to him open up the scriptures, they were able to feast on his word. And it just made them hungry for more. And they wanted to hear more. And they didn't want this time of fellowship with this new friend to end. He had something that they didn't. And they wanted to receive more of that from him. And later they, they describe it as their hearts burning within them. So he comes into their home and they prepare a meal and Jesus blesses the bread and breaks it. And then they see. Their eyes are open and they know that it's Jesus. I find it interesting that they had just had the best Bible study ever. But that didn't open their eyes to recognize him. So what was it that did open their eyes? Maybe they'd been with Jesus before when he had fed the 5,000 or the 4,000 and he had blessed bread and broken it and handed it out. And maybe they they remembered something and saw something familiar as they did it in their home. Perhaps as he broke the bread and held it out to him, to them, they saw the holes in his hands left by the nail. And perhaps he just looked them in the eyes. And at that point there was that spark of recognition. Maybe it was just something in this, this breaking of the bread. And they remembered something else that he'd spoken of earlier. Because in the Old Testament, the bread, the bread that was kept in the tabernacle, the bread was a, a symbol of, of the presence of God. And all of a sudden, they knew that the Son of God was present with them in their hands. And it was not in the Bible study that their eyes were opened. But it was in this personal and intimate interaction that they had with him around the table. And then, all of a sudden, he's gone. It's just gone. they talked together of how their hearts burned within him, in them 
while he talked with them. Those hearts that had been filled with disappointment and sadness, unbelief and confusion and loss, those hearts are now all fired up, burning hearts. And that gives a picture of hearts that are excited, that are full of passion and joy. And this is, this is a change that had been happening in their hearts as Jesus spoke to them. And the word of God is powerful. It can bring this change to our hearts. And I think that when this, this passage became a favourite for me all those years ago, I think it was because I was kind of envious of them. I wanted that experience of Jesus that gave me a burning heart. I wanted my heart to burn like that. And when I started looking at this passage again after Easter, I realised that all the stuff that's been going on for me over the last couple of years it had, it, it had its effect on me. And I just longed to experience again the burning heart that these two followers of Jesus talked about. But I found that as I continued to read and study this passage, that what I learned was that a burning heart is not enough. It is necessary. We need the Lord to come and touch us and bless our hearts that our hearts are burning with passion and with joy for Him. Without having that burning heart and how it motivated these two followers of Jesus to urge Him and beg Him and constrain him to stay with them, they would never have had the experience of open eyes. Their burning heart made them want more of the same. They wanted him to come in and explain more of the scriptures to them, and yes, they wanted more of his company and fellowship. They wanted to sit around the table and eat some food and drink some wine and talk about God's stuff. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. But it's not enough. Their encounter with Jesus led to their eyes being opened. And they knew him for who he is. And I wonder what happened to their hearts in that moment when they realised who he is. All that disappointment and sadness and doubt, all the questions that had been gradually getting burned away while they listened to him, just went in an instant 
merciful. Looking into his eyes in that moment, what did they see? Immeasurable depths of love. Joy at what he had won in his victory on the cross. Goodness knows what he what they saw in his eyes. Their burning hearts had had them wanting more. Yes. But it was more of the same. But the experience of having their eyes opened had them getting up and going out and heading straight back to Jerusalem, all seven miles. They'd just been saying to Jesus that it was getting too dark and too dangerous to travel. But the experience that they had of him, they weren't thinking about that at all. They were just up and out, and they went back to Jerusalem. It had them getting up and out of their comfort zones and going to tell others that they had seen the risen Jesus. A burning heart is so necessary. But it's not enough. Every experience that we have of God, every encounter that we have of Him, is meant to make us hunger for more. Make us want more of Him. And while we can't dictate to God how and when He reveals Himself to us, we can express our burning hearts to him. These two constrained Jesus to stay with them. They persuaded him they wouldn't take no for an answer. And he was willing to be persuaded. I believe that that was the response that he was wanting to draw out of their hearts. He was willing to be persuaded. God honours the cry of the desperate heart. In Jeremiah 29, verses 13 and 14, it says, You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found of you, says the Lord. So how is your heart feeling tonight? Have you come in here trying to deal with disappointments or questions or sadness? After that, wonderful worship time that we have. Is your heart burning for more? Do you want more of Jesus? We are so blessed here at Bridge with the measure of God's presence that we experience here. Because I know that there are so many churches that aren't like this. I really feel that we can't be complacent. God is so big, so great, 
there is still so much more of him for us to pursue. His presence is here tonight. So are you content to let him just keep walking and move on? Are you satisfied with a burning heart and happy to stay with him in your comfort zone? Or do you want more? How desperate are you for more of him? Are you prepared for what that might mean for you? What it might cost you? Where a greater experience of him might send you? Look at what Cleopas and his companion, Ian, Mary, would have missed if they just let Jesus keep walking on. is here among us tonight. We have an opportunity to let him know how desperate our hearts are for more of him. Clear paths and Mary constrained him. They were not going to take no for an answer. Do you want more of him? Can I just suggest that we all stand? How desperate are you for more of him? God honors the cry of a desperate heart. Can I suggest now that you just speak out of that desperation that's in your heart for more of him? Just speak out. Mary and Cleopas constrained him. Their urgings were compelling. They would have used force, I think, if, if they had to, to get him in there. How desperate are you? Jesus, we thank you that your presence has been here with us tonight. But we want more, Jesus. We are desperate for more of you. Father, would you come? Holy Spirit, come. Would you give us that experience of open eyes? Would you just show us more and more of Jesus? that will burn away every bit of sadness disappointment every question that we have about who you are would you come and meet our gaze tonight
Jesus, we long for more of you. You are the risen Saviour. You are the one. The name above every name. And Lord, we want more. We want more of you. Just tell him how much more you want Let him hear the cry of your heart. Let him hear the cry of your heart. What is your response to his presence here tonight?
desperate world needs you. Jesus, yes, be lifted yes, up in this city. Yes, be honoured and glorified in this city. Yes, because you are honoured and glorified in the hearts of your people. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, will you make the little flames bigger? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Father, when you've sparked something tonight, Will you ignite that? Yes. You set it ablaze. Yes. And where there are people still around this room thinking, what does that mean? What does it mean for my heart to be on fire? Mm-hmm. Father, blow into their hearts now. Yes. Blow into them something they have never experienced before. Yes. Of your love of your power and of your glory Father will you come and rest on them send your Holy Spirit to rest on them so that they go out of this door unchanged and where they're sitting there thinking but isn't this the end of the meeting and I haven't felt anything yet will you come now and touch them and let everybody in this place go out feeling different and Father where there are big blazes going on around this room will you come and continue to stoke that Father God I want to ask that you set fireworks in their hearts and it's not just it's not just a fire but it's it's fireworks that can be seen across the city Father there isn't that people go out of this place and you open their eyes but you make it so visible in this city that we are changed that we are different because of you because of your touch and Father will you give us experiences every single day Yes. Where we stand in our in our place of work or our, our place of being, where we are every day, yes. and and not turn you away mm. when you come and you speak to us and you want to tell us about our journey. Yes, Lord. yes. That we stop and we listen. Yes. And that you you speak to us in a new way every day that gets our hearts excited. Yes. Will you bring people alongside us to encourage us? Will you knit us together so we can encourage each other yes. to be people that burn together? Yes. 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 Jesus, come. Amen. Come. Let your Holy Spirit just come in a, in a fresh way right now. I've just got a a picture that I've been holding all night, as usual. (laughs) Um, I've just um, heard the word all night, activation, activation in big capital letters. And um, I just feel like, I I was about to say this is a time of activation, and God said, no, it's not time for activation. A time... Um, that word implies 
that that's a long period. And he was like, no, it's a moment of activation. Okay, he wants to get you going now. <laughs> and um, my picture that I had tonight, it started off kind of quite sad. When I was dancing in the middle, after a while, when I was up here, and I started kind of making peculiar movements with my body. It wasn't because I was like, hey, I kind of feel like doing weird things with my body. It was like, the way I feel stuff is that when I start moving, I get, my mind gets activated. And I start seeing things in the spirit. And as I was moving, God showed me um, a picture of, I feel like it was all of us actually, and um, we were by the side of a, a great big ship, and um, we were all um, we all had shackles on our feet. <laughs> this is a horrible picture. Um, and there were uh, chains. We were all chained together. And um, I felt the cry in our heart of, and this is from all of us. I felt a massive big cry in our heart of, I want to serve the king. I want to serve the king. I want to serve the king. And it felt like we were all kind of serving the world because we were shackled and we were kind of kept. And But we were all facing the same direction with our shackles. We were all facing the same direction. We were all looking at God. We were all looking at the king. And that was really exciting. And the other exciting thing was that um, God's presence came. And there was heat, and there was warmth, and there was light coming upon our heads and upon us. And then the weird thing was that um, it wasn't like I asked God, like, "Did you say anything? Did you did you speak anything?" And He said no. And all of a sudden, we just all started just shaking our feet like this. He didn't like speak from heaven and go, "Hey, it's time to shake your feet." We just all started doing it. We were like, and bearing in mind, we've got shackles on our feet and we we're feeling very heavy and tired and, and constrained. But we all, we all shake, shook our feet as much as we possibly could, bearing in mind we were shackled under that pressure. And we all did it. And I just felt like God was saying, what is it that is your point of activation? And each one of us, I feel has got like an innate or something that God has done inside of us which is a, a point of activation for us personally and for me I know it's my feet and I know it's about moving and about dancing because it comes from that place where I'm moving my body in the atmosphere and as I move God speaks to me if I just sit in my chair all night or stand up and sing, it's kind of okay, but it's not really divine. I only ever have a divine encounter with God when I start moving. Amen. So my activation point that I have is to actually get moving. And as I move, something happens in the atmosphere. There's a chemical reaction. And every single one of you here has got your own special innate thing that God has given you and you need to find out you need to know tonight there is a time to wait you need to know tonight what that is so God is telling you now I'm going to speak that out 
God is telling you now, what is your activation point? What it is that sets you on fire? And um, I just feel like, I just want you to, well, my, the cry of my heart would be that we would all be facing the same way and we would all start shaking our feet or doing whatever it is that's going to get us going. Because this is a moment of activation. We haven't got time to be thinking about it anymore. Amen. Can we please just stop thinking about it? Let's just get on with it, right? So, kick your fingers, shake your feet, jump up in the air, pick up a pen, um, chuck a hundred quiz in the bucket, or a million, or however much. We haven't got time to be waiting around anymore. We need a building. We need an army. And um, can we please just do it? I'm getting really straight up. Let's just do it. And um, so out of that kind of sad picture, actually, no, this is good. Sometimes God brings us to a place where we are so low that we desire him so very much that we all begin to turn the same way. The presence of God starts falling and we think, right, where there is nothing left. I'm either going to step into this thing yeah. Oh, I'm just going to sit here and die. Mm. Well, I bloody well do not. I'm sorry, I'm swearing now. <laughs> if I'm going to just sit here every time I come to church and stand here, I might as well go home. And how many donors they serve us every week? Yes. They come on a Sunday. Yes. Right? Mm. And even if they're not in the country, which is rare, they always try to be here on a su- Sunday. They come here and they bother to be here. Yes. And you know, like if we're not gonna we need to get activated. Yes. So please, can you just receive whatever it is, if it means that you need to come up and sing, or in the middle of the meeting you need to sing out. Amen. Or you have a word and God is speaking to you. For goodness sake, don't keep it. Amen. Just speak it. Mm. Or come up and speak to one of these guys and share it. If God is moving you and telling you something about where we're going as a church, come and say it. Even if it's a tiny little feeling, Mm -hmm. it might be that somebody else or ten other people in this congregation are having the same little feeling or sensing the same thing. And that that actually represents passion. And when those ten little dots of passion join up together, you have a chain reaction. And it encourages our, it encourages Anna and Donna, it encourages, it encourages all of us. So come on, let's go for it. Whatever it is, please, just do it. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the Bridge Christian Fellowship Podcast. Visit us at www.bridgecf.org.